discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Father, we are grateful. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit and the ministry of your word that are present in this place. Thank you that your word comes with power, with great insight. Thank you. That your word consumes our hearts and helps us move forward in the direction that you have designed for us to go. We receive your word with meekness and with gladness and with faith. Thank you, Father. Amen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gifts unto men. Then he puts into brackets. Now he that ascended, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He says, Jesus could not have ascended if he had not descended down into hell. Okay, next verse. Then he says, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Beautiful. Then he says, And he gave some. So he's letting you know the gifts. So this verse is actually a continuation of verse 8. Go back to verse 8. Because verse 9 and 10 are all in parentheses. Okay, so verse 8 says that, Wherefore he said, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Then the rest is in parenthesis. He was just explaining something to you. So you can continue straight to verse 11. So go to verse 11. And he gave some. So the gifts are, the, are what he's talking about. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He's not saying that he gave to a certain church. So some people read it this way. He gave some apostles so he gave some people so that the comma there it shouldn't be there it's supposed to be he gave some apostles not some comma apostles it's as though he gave um church of christ apostles and he gave church of pentecost prophets and he gave love economy church evangelists and he gave christ embassy pastors and he gave lighthouse teachers no and some didn't get some <laughs> that's not what he's saying okay so what he's trying to let you know that he gave some apostles to the body of christ and some prophets to the body of christ and some evangelists to the body of christ and some pastors and teachers to the body of christ hallelujah, hallelujah. what for he gave them to the body of christ so next verse the next verse says you know for the perfecting of the saints he gave these gifts to the body of christ to perfect the saints now, today I'm sharing with you on how Christ builds his church. Okay, how Christ builds his church. Hallelujah. 
how Christ builds the church. Because last week I taught you concerning the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. And I made you know how important the church is. The church is more important than Stanchart. It's more important than NPP or NDC. It's more important than any other thing, any other institution you can think about. It's more important than our family. It's more important than everything. When Jesus came, he said, I will build my church. That is the institution he said he was building. Please, you understand? Uh So the church towers above all. It towers above all. Okay? If you read in Isaiah chapter 2, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted above the mountains. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. Let's read it. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, he's talking about the church, shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. He's letting you know what is going, he was letting them know what was going to happen in our time. That the church is going to be the most important thing in the whole world, in the whole universe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, it is in our own interest to be involved in the building of the church or to be involved in what Jesus is involved in. Because Jesus is not building a school. He's not building a university. He's not building a hospital. Hospitals are important. Schools are important. Okay? Banks are important. But they cannot be compared to the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Because a bank cannot take you to to heaven. A school cannot take you to heaven. Nothing can. What is the way to heaven? Where, where do you pass to go to heaven? I know you know that's Jesus, but you let me ask you. Where, which town, which hometown do you have to go through? You have to go through Miss Javos' hometown. What, what is your hometown? Sorry? Jessica. We have to go through Jessica before we can get to heaven. Like we'll be in trouble. There's no, you can't pass to anybody's hometown to heaven. No truck can take you to heaven. No VIP bus can take you. No flights can take you. No rockets. Not even a spaceship. They can't, they can't take you. Amazing. The only one who can take you to heaven and who is the way to heaven is Jesus Christ. But a lot of people feel that that is not important. Yesterday, someone uh, we somehow know okay <laughs> my wife and i somehow know know the person because the person was a neighbor at some point in one of the houses that we we live in when we when we are around had passed on he passed on you know and the question was where is he going to do you see where is he going to so if this world was the last place where we will be then we would have, you know, done whatever I wanted to do. I mean, you can do whatever. Let us, Paul said, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's what Paul said. But there's something beyond this place, whether you like it or not. There's something, some people don't want to bring, entertain that in their minds. Oh, it's not true. There's nothing, there's what, annihilation. When you die, you become an ant. You go into the air. Brother, nobody goes into the air, nobody goes into an ant. Dead people are actually alive. Yeah. They are alive. 
Hallelujah. And Jesus has set up the church as an institution to manage people going to heaven or people coming into the kingdom of God. It is the church that does that. No bank can admit you into the kingdom of heaven. It is through the action and the ministry of the body of Christ that people are admitted to heaven. What do you think about what I'm saying? The car is important, but it's not, it's not the real thing. Do you know the amazing thing about cars? Cars are like women. No matter what you have, you are still not satisfied. Did you hear what I said? As a man, you can have a beautiful wife. And a small girl is passing by. And you are just looking at the small girl moving around. Oh. But you have a wife, beautiful wife, lovely wife, full of the Holy Ghost. Every type, every body type that you want is inside. Still, when you see, am I lying? The people am I? I'm not lying. I'm not lying. It's the truth. Yeah. You need to discipline yourself by the Holy Ghost to stay with the one God has given to you and be satisfied that this is the one God has given to me. I am satisfied. I am okay with what God has given to me. Yes, yeah. Do you know that cars are also like that? No matter how beautiful your car is, no matter how nice your car is, when you see another car driving by you, you look outside, you're like, ah, this car is nice, though. Oh. One day, I was driving with my wife, and there was a man who was driving a Land Cruiser, and he was looking at our car. Do you remember? And my wife said, ah, why is he looking at our car like that? is bigger and nicer than now. Why are you looking at our car? Sometimes it's like the tail light is nice. Like the, the flash screen in that car is nicer. Man is never satisfied. The Bible says that the eye is never satisfied with seeing. Yes, it is never satisfied with seeing. It keeps seeing. Hallelujah. So car is important, but you'll be surprised that you get the car of your dreams. And it is no more your dream. It's not. The most important thing in life is the new birth and your growth in that new birth, in the body of Christ. That is the most important thing in your life. That is why you are here. Our presence here on earth is uh, um, when you go to work and they give you six months probation. You see, they, they give you employment with the bank and they say you're on probation for six months. After the six months, if they check your performance, then they employ you and see where you are going to fit. Is it not, is it not true? Our life here on earth is a probationary period. It's just three months or six months probation. As compared to you working for 40 years or 50 years. So how you live your life here on earth makes all the difference with respect to how eternity goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's important you make certain decisions here on earth. And make the right decisions here on earth. And align yourself as you're supposed to. So that you don't go off. Okay? So he lets you know that the church is very important. Jesus, who is God, when God came on earth, what he built... Or what he said he was building, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, was a church. 
not a car company, not a fridge company. For the ladies, not a kitchen. You know, it's like you have a dream kitchen. Is it true? You have a dream kitchen. Like you want this these gadgets to be in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and I say unto thee, this is Jesus talking, Matthew 16, 18, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. So, how, do, how does Christ build his church? How does he build his church? That's what I, I was reading to you in Ephesians chapter 4. We have gotten to verse 11, isn't it? And he gave some apostles and some, some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. Let me read it and I'll explain the words to you. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Have you seen it? Let's really amplify it. Maybe you don't, you are not catching it. So this is how Jesus builds his church. He builds his church by first of all giving the church some gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Okay? For what purpose? His intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints, the consecrated people. Who are the saints or who are the consecrated people? Every member of the body of Christ, okay, is described as a saint and hence is described as a, as a consecrated person. Immediately you become born again, you become a saint. Sainthood is not what has been described to us over the years. That when you live, it's not what, it's like you have to attain it. Sainthood is not attained. Sainthood is a gift from God. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Let me explain that to you and then we'll come back to the main subject, okay? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves and mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. What a list. Very interesting list, isn't it? It says, None of these people shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 is so beautiful. Then he says, and such were some of you. He's writing to the Corinthian church, one of the most wildest churches he ever pastored. And he writes these, this wild list and he says, and such were some of you. Meaning that if you are born again and you are into some of these things, he doesn't call you a fornicator or something like that. He lets you know that you are different. So start thinking the way you are. Start, start, if you start thinking from where God has placed you, all those foolishness will leave you. Yeah. The reason why those things are not leaving you is because you think that that's how you are. You think that you are a master fornicator. You can't help yourself. If Jesus was able to take sin out of you, how much more fornication? Do you understand? Yeah. It cannot be called. He took the, the seed of sin out of you. So that fruit that you are seeing cannot be compared to the, the seed he took away. Trust him. Let him know that I believe you. I believe what you have said concerning me. I believe that you have, you have made me your righteousness. Therefore, I cannot go along this line. Every My, my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Start remind, reminding yourself of what God has done for you. Of what God has be, made you to become. Do you like what I'm saying? Some people don't like it when we mention fornication in the church. And when you mention it, then people start looking away. Like... 
I'm showing you how you can come out of all that foolishness. So that you can become serious for what God wants you to become serious for. These are distractions that prevent you from doing what God wants you to do. Yeah, making you think that you are something that you are not. Yeah, false identity. He says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. Washed with what? Washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's called the washing of regeneration. The washing of regeneration. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Look at Titus 3 5. Then look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Look at Titus 3. It says, not by works of righteousness. Let's, let's go, go all the way to verse 3. Titus 3 3. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish. He's always telling you where. He's writing to the church and he lets them know you where. Not you are. He says, for we, we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts. Diverse and pleasures. Diverse lusts. We were servants to diverse. We couldn't help ourselves. Living in malice and envy. Hateful and hating one another. Next verse. But after the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. After that, the love, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the kindness and the love of God to us. Look at the next verse. Not by works of righteousness. He didn't come because we did something right. Or we deserved him. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy. He says God who is rich in mercy. Hmm? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy. He saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration. And renewing of the Holy Ghost. He washed us by the washing of regeneration. It's called regening. He regened you to have the genes of God. Now you have the genes of God, so you cannot but go the way God has designed for you to go. If only you believe what God has said about you, you will see that your experience is different. Your experience is actually your your experience becomes what God has said about you. Because you believe the wrong thing about yourself, that you are not a good person, you are not, you can't be good. This thing you have done it for so many years. So you feel that that's how you are. But that's not how you are. God thinks you are different. Hmm? Look at it. This is amplified. It says, He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of His own pity and mercy by the cleansing bath of the new generation. The new, the what? The new birth, that's regeneration, renew of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does He wash you? Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. He says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Say, I'm washed. I'm washed. You are washed in his blood. As, you were, as he was washing in you in his blood, you were, he was regening you. Now you have the genes of God. So in, in, Romans, in John chapter 1 verse 11, he says he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, have you received Jesus Christ the Lord personal Savior? He says, as many as received him, to them he gave the rights. He gave them the authority to become the sons of God. He lets you know that now you are a child of God. You cannot be a son of your father if you don't have his genes. People are doing paternity tests now. They check the genes to know if you actually come from this man. 
Yeah, because the women are saying something else, you know. There are a lot of shocks around. Yeah. All because people don't people don't agree with what God has done for them. It's all because all the shocks are because people don't agree. They've not learned to agree with what God has done for them in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you have say I have the genes of God. God. Do you know what that means? You can meditate on this and fly, I tell you. Yeah, do you know what it means? What it means is that now what God can do, you can do. You look like God. You talk like God. I mean, when, when my son is walking, people just look at me and say, hey, he walks like you. Because he's got my genes. When he smells, people say, hey, he looks like you. Because he's got my genes. Now you have the genes of God. So you are now a son of God. You are now a daughter of God. That is your real identity. Stop looking at yourself as something else. No, you are now a child of God. Yeah, that is, he lets you know, he says, children who are not born of blood. That's the next verse, 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. You were not born of blood. You are not born of blood. You are not born of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a certain man, but you are now born of God. God himself gave birth to you. James chapter 1 verse 18. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. Eh? Of his own will, of God's own will, he gave birth to us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Say, I'm special. I'm special. Say it like you mean it. I'm special. So you are not ordinary. Start believing that for yourself. Believe that for yourself. That is, where, that is where the power is. When you start believing it for yourself. When you start thinking about it. Don't be a Christian who does not like to think about what has happened. There are a lot of Christians who are clueless. They've heard the message but they've not started thinking. They've not started engaging their thoughts. I thought I'm going to be praying with you and I'm going to be praying with you about something. You know, praying with you concerning the thoughts, the, the, the consciousness that you have. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very powerful. I think you should, you should be online so that we can pray together. Okay? Of his own will. See, of his own will. Yeah. He says, and such were some of you. That's where we came from, right? First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And such were some of you. Say, such were. Such were. Some of you. Some. Not all of us. Yeah. It's not all of us who came, who were former thieves, former idolaters, former fornicators. For, it's not every child of God who, who had a past, a certain kind of past. Some of us don't have that kind of past. By God's grace. Yeah. Then he says, and such were some of you. But ye are washed. Washed with what? Washed by his blood. Isn't it? Yeah. Which is the regeneration. Then he says, but ye are sanctified. Ye are sanctified. A saint is one who is sanctified. A saint is one who is set apart for something. To be sanctified means to be set apart for the use of God. Yeah. This pulpit here is set apart yeah. because of its position. If it was in a club, it would not be a pulpit for preaching. It would be defiled. It would be something else. But because of its position, it is now set apart. It is now sanctified. It is described as holy unto God because now it is for God. Holiness is a matter of position. Wow. That is why plates could be holy. Spoons could be holy. If spoons and plates that did not have enough wisdom were holy, how much more you? Spoons, bread, even bread was holy. Why are you struggling with holiness? You have the holiness of God in the earth. Read your Bible very carefully. 
You'll be surprised. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Look at Hebrews 3 1. He calls them holy brethren. He says, wherefore, holy brethren. He's talking to children of God. He calls them holy brethren. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. We are now partakers of the heavenly calling. Well, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The problem Christians have is, is that they have a problem with identification. It's an identity crisis. We don't know what we have become. You know, and when something happens around us, that is contrary to what God has said. We are like, oh, I don't know. This is my experience. We can't help ourselves. We are always doing this. What? The word doesn't work. No, the word works. Don't let your experiences take you away from the word of God. Let your experiences fall in line with the word of God. Don't let what you even see around you change your perception concerning the word of God. You know, there was this preacher who saw people suffering, Africans suffering. You know, he saw, I think at that time, there was a Somali war and all of that. And then he said that how can a good God allow people to suffer like this? And say that when they die and they don't receive him, they are going to go to hell. He said, no, it cannot be. God is loving. After his uncle had died, he had had a shock. So he allowed what he saw around change his perspective concerning the word of God. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Don't allow that. Yeah. The word, the word is the word. The word is the word. The word is what it is, not because of God's action. Remember who, who acted. Someone acted. His name is Adam. If you want anyone to blame, blame Adam. Because this is not how God created the world to be. God has done his best to recover the world. And he's doing his best to recover it even some more. To make things different. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But this is not my subject. I mean, let's go. We are building the church. Isn't it? Go back to that place in First uh, Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. Ye are what? Sanctified. So in First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, he lets them know that Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 1. It says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustain his brother. Unto the church of God which, has, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine? They were just born again and he called them sanctified. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus you are sanctified. Because of your position in Christ, you are now set apart unto God. You are now sanctified. You are now a saint. Called to be saints. You see? The word, that, the word to be is in brackets. Because it is not part of the original rendering. The translators felt that we are not saints. We are not saints. We are called to be one day. But actually, the original rendering is called saints. Sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. With all that I that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So you were saint. Tell me about you were saint. So Ephesians, I said all this to let you know that Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 is in reference to you every child of god not some every single child of god if the person became born again today he's a saint and because he became born again today he has a responsibility in christ to aid in the construction or the build-up of the body of christ the build-up of the church so god uses his people to build the church God does not use businessmen to build a church. He says, for you know your calling. How that not many wise, not many noble. Hmm? 
He doesn't use noble whatever people. No. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's look at it. First Corinthians one, verse what? I thought you were giving me the verse. Verse 26. He says, For you see your calling, brethren. You see your calling. Look at your calling. Look, if you look at that, there's no politician here. Because they, some of them, it's not all of them, some of them feel that this is not important. Do you see? For some of them, it's a waste, it's a complete waste of time. You may not see a big businessman in the church, in the house of God. Ushering or doing because he feels that my billions of dollars are good enough, it's good. But billions of dollars do not save people. They will not take you to heaven. Wow. Am I saying don't get the billions? I am interested in getting billions. I am interested. And you will be a billionaire in dollars. Someone said, how can everybody in the church be rich? (gasps) Someone said, why should everybody in the church be well? You're surprised. (laughs) You'll be shocked. It is a shocker. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many wise men after the flesh. Let's read other versions. Maybe you don't understand. Amplify. Let's see what the Amplified will say. For simply consider your own core, brethren. Not many of you were considered to be wise according to human estimates and standards. Not many influential and powerful. Not many of high and noble birth. Not many. They are in there, but they are not many. Because some of those who have noble birth and some of those who have the big bags feel that Jesus is a bunch of nonsense. He's a bunch of nothing. What is all the someone who came 2,000 years ago and died on a certain cross somewhere as a criminal? What what has it got to do with me? Foolish whatever. Yeah. Is it because he doesn't have any need, financially speaking? They say, leave the gospel for the poor. Jesus said that the gospel is preached to the poor. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Because not many rich people have enough wisdom. Because they are so comfortable in this world, it becomes a problem. Yeah. They are blinded by their wealth. If you hear concerning Lazarus and the rich man, you understand what we are saying. Father Abraham told him, in your lifetime, you had all your good things. You enjoyed your good things. Now, Lazarus is comforted. He's comforted. Not many wise. So don't, don't expect some big man somewhere to come and build a church. Understand what I'm talking about? When I say it's not a building, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. Because the church is not a building. The church is the people. It's human beings. You and I in the church. Okay? Next verse. This is what, um, message. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. <laughs> not many influential, not many from high society families. Wow. Next verse. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Did you hear what I said? He has chosen what? The foolish things of the world to confound the, because the world's wisdom does not flash with God's wisdom. I mean, no, if you really, if, if someone said, if you really want people to be born again, then you should do a mass 
new birth. Like everybody should be born again at once. Like God should just, everybody, you are born again. If God is loving, as he says he is, then he should get everybody born again and not allow anybody to go to hell. But will you accept him? He's not a, he's not a machine controlling freak. He's not a controlling freak. He likes it when people like him on their own. So he will come to you, do you like me? When you say, I don't like you, he says, okay. If you don't like me, then this is what you will face. And you ask you again, do you like me? And again, do you like me? When you are five, you ask you, do you like me? When you are 12, you ask you, do you like me? When you are 17, you ask you, do you like me? When you are 25, you ask you, do you like me? When you are 40, he will come again and come and ask, do you like me? When you are 65, you come again, do you like me? 75, do you like me? 85, do you like me? 100, do you like me? And people have the gas to stay no throughout their lives. So when they die, what do you think should happen? He gave you several opportunities. Like I said, he will not control you. He doesn't think that we are computers. He made us in his image and his like. He made man in his image and in his likeness. And no one controls him. So he doesn't want anybody to control you. That's why he told, he gave Adam options. He gave, he gave him options. Choose life. He tells him, he, in, in, in Deuteronomy, he lets them know, I said before you life and death. Then he lets them know, choose life. Choose life. But he has to give you an option. Because some people will get to heaven, if they are forced to heaven, they will say, I don't like this. This is not what I, I, I bargained for. What is this? You'll be surprised. Yes. You'll be surprised. I don't know if I'm helping you. So the church is too important. Tell me about the church is important. It's a vehicle through which God reaches humanity. It needs to be built. Yeah. Because there are people who need to hear. <laughs> there are people who, who are in your world who need to hear. Go back to that place. He gave some apostles and prophets, blah, blah, for the perfection of the saints, that he says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's read the Amplified. I told you. Let's read the Amplified. His intention was a perfecting and full equipping of his of the saints, his consecrated people. And I just explained to you what is consecrated, who his consecrated people are. He's not talking about some special uh, forces in the church, like most holy, most righteous. Do you understand? Bishops. He's not talking about bishops. Le- uh, uh, some called wild guys. No, he's talking about every single individual in the church. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, so that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. They should what? Do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, which is the church. What is the material for building the church? The material for building the church are human beings. The material for the church to go on are human beings. Remember, the body of Christ is made up of human beings who are who have given their lives to Christ. So the the substance or the product required for the church to go forward is human beings. They are called living stones. First Peter chapter two, verse five. Look at the first Peter two five. King James, please. He says, "Ye also." As lively stones, other versions would let you know living stones. It's you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, which is a church actually, 
and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the building materials are human beings. That is why God loves human beings like that. I always say it. If you're a child of God and you don't love people, you have not yet understood the love of God. If you don't love people, if you don't love the ragamuffins and the rascals, and the... Understand when I say love? I'm not saying... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying when one proposes, you say, oh, I love you. I love you. Are you me and you. <laughs> Are you a ragamuffin? I love you. Come, come, come. I'm marrying you. Come to the altar with me. That's what we are talking about. We are talking about having the emotion of God towards people. Compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowns, when he saw the multitude. Matthew 9, 36. That's what I'm talking about, okay? But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the people, when he saw the throngs, when Jesus saw them, he was moved with compassion on them. I'm talking about compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You realize that these people did not have any direction in life. They are lost. If you don't do something about them, they are lost. It's not an angel that will save them. <laughs> angel has not saved anybody. It does something, but it doesn't save them. It doesn't save their, their, real, their real person. It will save them with their body for a while. But the real them, which is spirit, is not saved. Do you understand? When he saw the throngs, this is amplified. When he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed, distressed, and dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Wow. wow. Every child of God. If you say you're a child of God and Jesus is in you, that same compassion that he had when he was here on earth is in you. And you must have compassion for humanity. You must be moved when you see the masses going to hell. What goes on in your heart when you hear someone has passed on? Especially someone who didn't know the Lord. It, it, must, it must affect you. It must do something to you. If it doesn't affect you, you have not started. You are only thinking about yourself. You've not started thinking the way God thinks. God would want you to think the way he thinks. He's moved with human beings, about human beings. He's moved with people. God loves people. God loves people. God loves people. Yeah. He loves people. He doesn't joke with people at all. And he wants you to love people as well. If we are going to build the body of Christ, we must love people. Because people are the substance or the product from which he gets his church. Without them, the church does not exist. Without people, the church does not exist. Are you hearing me? So he says he gave all these people so that we can build up. Hmm? His consecrated people that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, which is the church. Next verse. Then he lets you know the various phases the church can go through. I'll talk about this next week. But I want to show you some more on how he builds his church. Okay? How does he do it? I've said some already, but I want to go into details for you. Okay? Do you like what I'm saying? So you see what I'm doing now? I'm teaching you the word of God. For what purpose? To help you. To think right. To help you have the right heart set. 
and the right mindset. Okay? So that when you turn, for instance, um, apostle, prophet, all of those people have a ministry to the body of Christ, not outside the body of Christ. Okay? If as your pastor, I meet somebody and I share the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ with the person, I don't stand before the person as pastor or as apostle or as prophet or as evangelist or teacher. That is for the body of Christ. I can only, I'm not a pastor to others. I'm a pastor to you. I'm not a prophet to others. I'm a prophet to you. Do you see? So that was given. Jesus gave that group of people for the church to build up the church. So he uses some words. Go back to verse, uh, verse, verse 12. I want you to see it. The first thing he said was that he gave those people for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting, I've showed who the saints are. The word perfecting is katatismos. That's a Greek word. Let me spell it for you. K-A- you see, when we say Greek word, don't think that, oh, these people, they like quoting, they want us to know that they know something. No. We are trying to, we are trying to help you understand what you are saying. Because the Greek is richer than the English. One word in Greek can mean several words in English. Do you see? So the Greek helps you to understand the other words that you can have it in English. So that you can appreciate it some more. And understand exactly what he's saying. To get the full import of what God was saying. Okay? So the word perfecting is the word katatismos. K-A-T-A-R-T-I-S-M-O-S. K-A. T-A-R-T-I-S-M-O-S. Katatismos. And it means complete furnishing or complete equipping. Okay? It means what? Complete furnishing or complete equipping. So what he's saying is that these people are there. I'm in your life, for instance. Your pastors are in your life for one purpose. To equip you. Give you all the equipments and the furnishings you need. If you don't have hammer for the building of the body of Christ, they will give you the hammer. If you don't have a saw for cutting as you're supposed to, they will give you a saw to be able to cut. If you don't have a shovel for building, I'm just using natural terms so that you can understand what he's talking about. He's saying they are to give you equipments. That's their job, to give you equipments. Do you see? To give you equipments. That's, that's the word perfecting. There's another word for perfect in the Bible. Stelios. Teleosis. That's full maturity. But that's not what he's talking about here. This one is to equip them. With requisite information. Okay? Requisite uh, equipments or tools and skills that is needed for them to be able to do the work of ministering to the body of Christ, okay? So he says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. His aim is the body of Christ. The reason why we are, in, we are together is for one purpose, for the edification of the body of Christ. Please, you understand? The reason why in church is not because of marriage. No, 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 no. The reason for our being together in the body of Christ is not because of marriage. It's not for prosperity. It's not for association. It's not for business. It's not for your glory. 
I know Christ in you, the hope of glory, but that is not the actual, the reason why Christ in you, the hope of glory, is for one purpose. Everything about our lives is for one purpose. Everything. Okay, look at 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let me, let me read the whole thing to you. Normally I read just 14 to you. But there's more. There's more. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. This is why he makes us triumph. He makes us triumph so that he can make manifest the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. That is the reason why he gives us the opportunity to win in Christ. So you don't win for winning's sake. Your winning is for the purpose of bringing his knowledge to everybody in every place. Do you understand what I'm saying? God does not joke with people. <laughs> you see, I've been a pastor for some time. I didn't care about people. I only cared about my church members. I, did, I didn't understand what I'm telling you now. It took me some time to understand it. That God does not joke with human beings. God loves people. And God do everything to get people. He will do everything in his power to get people. His love for humanity is too strong. It's too strong. Not even one human, one person, okay, is a refuse for God. Not even one. The smallest child is important to God. The weakest of them all is very important to God. The poorest of them all is very important to God. The richest of them all is very important to God. The most evil of them all is very important to God. Just some few days ago, I was thinking about Stalin and Hitler. You know, I know Stalin took, so this particular thing came to my mind. Stalin caught a chicken and plugged off its feathers and the chicken was bleeding. And then he put corn, he put the, the chicken down and put corn in front of the chicken towards him. And the chicken was just getting the corn and coming. And he told the people that this is how human beings are. <laughs> no matter how wicked you are to them, when you give them what they need, they will come to you. Who was wicked? That was how he thought. You see, the reason why he was thinking like that was because there was no laborer. There was no laborer. Someone was quiet. Someone was quiet. Someone was sent to him, but was quiet. Someone was quiet. Someone did not talk to him when he could have been spoken to. It got to a point where nobody could talk. If he talks to him, he kills you. If you are richer than him, you, you are... You know, Hitler wiped away people's lives. I mean, even your pictures are taken off. So he, he makes sure you didn't... It's like you didn't exist. Both of them. I mean, they were very... Their way of thinking was very similar. And it took Stalin to defeat Hitler. <laughs> it took someone as evil as him to be able to defeat him. But Stalin was wilder. Stalin was senior in, in terms of wickedness. Hitler will kill, but Stalin was wicked, wickeder, wickedest. I was thinking about it, and God told me, it's not because I made him like that. I did not make him like that. He was not born with evil in his heart. No. It's because someone did not talk to him. Someone missed the chance, missed the opportunity to talk to him. One Paul or Saul was making, making havoc to the church. One man, he was destroying the church. He was going to end the body of Christ. Jesus came there and spoke to him. And he said, he was saved. 
If you don't talk to people, nothing will happen. The reason for your prosperity, the reason for your promotion at work, the reason for your, your wisdom, your excellence, your ability to do the things that you're doing, is your talent, is because of other people getting to know about Jesus. Not so that you can have more money, buy more cars. How many cars can you drive? How many, to be honest with you, no, let's be honest with ourselves. How many cars can you drive? How many houses can you sleep in? This afternoon, we're driving, we're driving through some, uh, through some houses. One was one million dollars, one was seven hundred thousand dollars. We're just driving by them, you know, having a look at some purchases. And I was, I was like, I mean, it's just a house. It's just a house. People stay in there and are not happy. That's why it's empty. Some of, most of them are empty. Yeah. I was asking, they said oh, about 20 of them are empty. Yeah, they are empty. Nobody's living inside. Some have just one person in there. He's living in a $1 million house. He's alone in there. No joy. People. God loves people. God loves people, brother. God loves people. And he wants all people to be with him. That's his desire. That's his desire. He's, it's so important to him that he prospers his people so that they can be a channel for bringing others in. Whatever he will do to make sure you are fine to be able to bring others in, he will do it. So the reason why we preach to you on prosperity, preach to you on faith, and all is so that you can have a better stance to be able to bring more people in. So that you can draw more people. You see, go to the next verse, verse, verse uh, 15. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. That is what we are to him. We are a sweet savor, a sweet fragrance of Christ. We are the fragrance of Christ. I don't know if you get it. We are the perfume of Christ. Our smell is Christ. Our smell is Jesus. Like when we show up, Jesus shows up. When we show up, his, the knowledge, his knowledge shows up in that place. So that people can come in. Not so that we can become like this. You know I have one million dollars. Go and spend it. If you die right now, some foolish boy will inherit it and spend everything. Yeah. Life is fickle. It's amazing. People like Solomon, people have lived though. Don't, don't think you are, people have lived. Solomon's dining table was like from here to Aguba Junction. I tell you, so many people sitting by. Solomon said, who can eat more than me? That was what Solomon said. He said, who can eat more than me? You have not eaten. <laughs> Solomon had the height of enjoyment. Height of enjoyment. The peak of enjoyment. You cannot enjoy as much as Solomon enjoyed. Even if you have an aim of catching him, you can't. You won't have time. Your lifetime will be too short. Yeah. To kill you. <laughs> yeah. This is Ecclesiastes 225. I'm not lying. It says, for who can eat or who else can hasten here unto more than I? Let's read other versions. Maybe it will help us. For who can eat or who can have enjoyment any more than I can apart from him? You can have enjoyment more than me. You can't. Yeah. This is scripture. Someone enjoyed it and he said, you can't enjoy more than me. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your, 
it's, it's sad when you see people on the trajectory of self, self, whatever. I want to self-made, self, whatever, self-accomplishment. So you are a joker. The, the, your very existence is for God. If you take God out, you are a very big fool. Life is empty. Life is empty. God is interested in people. God is interested in people. That is why he blesses you. So that you can build the body of Christ. By bringing more people in. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. God is so passionate about this. As soon as you become born again, he gives you that ministry. It's almost as though he's selfish. As soon as you become born again, he robes you into it. Right there and then when you become born again. That's in 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 17, 18, and 19. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 5. 17, 18, and 19. Let me, that's my last verse and then I'll close. Okay. Next week I'll pick it up from there. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's letting you know why he forgives you your sins. He's letting you know why he makes you his righteousness. He's letting you know why he gives you faith. He's letting you know why he prospers you. He's letting you know why he makes you what he makes you, brings you in Christ. For what purpose? Next verse. And all these new things are of God. These things nobody can give to you. Nobody can give you righteousness. God who gives it to you. Who has reconciled us to himself or made us friends with himself or brought us back to himself or has made peace with himself by Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ and has given to us. Immediately he reconciles us to himself through Jesus Christ. He gives us the ministry, the work of reconciliation, the work of making sure others are brought close to him. That is why you are existing. We are existing because of the body of Christ. Because of the building of the body of Christ. If you take that out, life is useless. Life is useless. Your marriage will not be anything to be meaningless. You will not have it to be eternally useless. If this is not in perspective. Your children will be eternally useless. If this is not in perspective. That we have children so that they can grow and have enough wisdom to teach others. And to preach to others. And to bring others to Jesus Christ. To the Lord. Our children mean nothing. You can have ten of them. It will mean nothing. You can have one. It will mean nothing. You can have millions of dollars. It will mean nothing. If it is not for bringing others in. If it is not for reconciling others. If it is not for edifying the body of Christ. For the build up of the body of Christ. You can have many cars. But if it is not there for bringing others to the Lord. It is useless. You can have many houses. One in London, one in America, one in Chicago, another one in Hawaii, one in Dubai, one in Nigeria. Why are you laughing? It's like you don't like a house in Nigeria. My friend, can you get a house in Victoria Islands? Let's be serious. Banana Islands. It will be utterly useless. If it is not for... These people tell us, you have to... Uh, leave property for your children and do listen we are all it's like a, a race that never ends people gather 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 you see a cry is still it's still going a cry is going now it's under it's under a brie a brie mountain it has actually climbed to a brie it is going before you realize kufuidia is part kukurantumi will be part very soon tafu will be part we keep going why our parents have houses in town but we don't like it we want to build our own isn't it and say it is mine I built it. I built it for my children. You are lying. They will also go and go and build somewhere. And then it keeps going and going and going and going and going. 
we chase life, chase things, chase things, chase things, chase things, and leave the most important thing out. The most important thing out, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother, you are better off living your life for him. I, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, you are better off with people in perspective. People in perspective. Tell Osborne caught on to it. Tell Osborne his wife caught on to what I'm telling you. And they lived their lives with people in perspective. They went to bring people into the house of God. Archbishop Nick had a, a dream or a vision concerning Tell Osborne's city in heaven. It was not a house. People talk about houses in heaven. Tell Osborne had a city. He said he could not see the end of it. Yeah. Because he got involved with what matters most. What matters most. Yeah. He gave his all, all his attention to this all important thing. I'm not saying leave your work. Remember, he makes you win so that you can be a fragrance. Isn't it? I'm not saying leave your work. I'm saying make him shine in your work. Let his smell be smelt. I hope I'm right. In the workplace. Yeah. Let him be felt in the hospital that you're working. Let him be felt in the company that you're working, the bank that you're working, so that others can come to him. That is why we are blessed. That is why we have what we have. Let's put our lives in proper perspective. And let's, and let's not waste our life and our time. Let's not build a church, a group of people who are, are only into gathering things. More houses, more cars, more what? More Agama, yeah. Agama house. Agama spinning wheels. Agama golden toilet seat. Agama, you become an Agama lizard. Hallelujah. Rise up on your feet and thank God for your service. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.